How are you all? You all good? Yeah? Why don't you just tell the person next to you they look nice today? That's enough. Right. Well, uh, good morning. It's, uh, it's really great to be with you uh, all this morning. I don't know about you, but I've just really felt God's presence in the services. I want to thank the worship team for leading us. But also, I just really believe God has a real uh, moment for us this morning. And uh, I've been praying, and I was laughing with Kev, who's going to share his testimony a little bit later. I feel like I've, we're going to speak about Zacchaeus today. And uh, I feel like this is a, my go-to story. Uh, I love it. I love this story. I love what Jesus does in th- this moment here. And I feel like I preached it almost every week at youth. Uh, I really do feel like that. But as I, was, as I was praying this week and kind of asking the Lord for some fresh revelation, I do feel like he gave me some. And I'm really excited to speak with you, uh, speak to you and, and kind of share what God has for us this morning. Uh, as Ian was just praying there, uh, if this is your first week, I want to welcome you. Uh, but also, if you come all the time, I also want to welcome you. And uh, if you've been with us, we've been in this series on testimony, and uh, I don't know about you, but I have been extremely encouraged uh, by this series over summer here. Uh, I've loved hearing uh, some of the different stories and the variety of stories of, of people sitting in our congregation, uh, sitting next to you, some of these stories of, of not just what they've done in their life or about how bad things have been or in how, about how good things have been, but actually about how good God has been in their life. And about how faithful uh, God has been to them in their life. And uh, I've, been, I've been so, so encouraged. Um, six, seven weeks ago, we, we set out on this series. And, and I think uh, the, the, the first thing I probably said, I always like to start a series with a goal. You know, um, I think it's my football background. But, uh, you know, when we set up this, this series, I always like to think, what are we, what are we wanting to get from this? What are, what's the point? Uh, of it. And of course, it's about the Lord. The answer is always Jesus. You knew that, you know, if you went to Sunday school or anything. But I, I said this I said the series goal might be to call uh, people further into the arms of Christ as their Lord and Savior and ignite confidence to declare His goodness, God's goodness, by giving testimony. Now, I feel like we've achieved that. I feel like we've achieved that, but I don't think we have to stop there. We've done this for six, seven weeks now, but the whole point of this series was to say to you, to say to me, to encourage us that your story matters, that your story is not of of any lesser than anyone else's, that your story is one of supreme significance. Why? Because it's what God has done in your life. And our story of declaring what Jesus has done for us, day by day, of course it's a whole life thing, but day by day is how people come to know that there's something different about this person. Your story is the only thing they can't argue with. They can argue with scripture. It'll win, but they can argue. But they can't argue with your story. So I want to encourage you again, church. Don't let this just be a summer series, but let this be our way of doing church, that we are quite happy to say to the person next to us, the new person, that person at work, if the opportunity comes around, whatever way, shape, or form it comes about, we are confident, we are happy to declare what Jesus has done for us in our life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, this morning we're going to jump back in, and like, like we were saying, this is going to be the kind of final uh, installment of this little collection of talks. 
Um, but really, just to kick us off, just to remind you, uh, testimony is all about bearing witness. It's all about saying, look what God has done in my life. It's about publicly professing, declaring all that God has been doing. Testimony is a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool. It builds up the church. It builds up the individual that's sharing. But also it proclaims the kingdom of God. It ushers in what God is doing in Perth, in our life, and as our family here at Trinity. But also, what, one of the things I love about testimony is it um, exposes the schemes of the devil. It exposes the schemes of the devil. And really why I say that is because the devil, one of his greatest tricks, Satan, one of his greatest tricks is to make you feel isolated and alone. And we all know that that's where insanity happens. But you know, what the devil wants to do is convince you that your sin, your moment, your bad thing, whatever it is, whatever you're struggling with, that it's only you that's facing it. And in that place, that's where he gets you. But what testimony does is it says, hey, I've also been through my struggle. I've also struggled with this thing. But I know and I can proclaim and I can tell you right now that there is a way through it. There is an answer to the problem. There's a way you can progress. There's a way you go forward. And his name is Jesus. You can say amen if you want or smile. That would help. Um, I think the slides are going to come up on the screen, and um, we're going to come to the, the Bible just right now. Um, but just before, again, before I get started, can I just tell you God loves you so much, so much, died for you, gave everything for you, whether you love him yet or not, whether you believe in him yet or not, he loves you and he believes in you, and he went the whole way, way for you. And uh, I really believe that this morning is a wee moment for us uh, as a church. So let's... Uh, Let's come to the scripture. If you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and grab it. It's in Luke chapter 19. If you're on your phone, you can jump on there as well. It's also going to come up on the, the screen. I'm going to read. Luke chapter 19. If it helps, I'm reading from the NLT version this morning. No worries. We don't have the slides right now. But um, I can tell you, like Fred said a couple weeks ago, they would have been the best slides you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> so... Uh, if you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and grab them, but you don't have enough time to download the app if you haven't been reading it, so uh, you can just listen. It says this, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10 from the NLT translation. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named uh, Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass by that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, saying, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased saying he had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give back four times as much as I owe. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. 
For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. I love this last line. If you have your Bible, this is where you would like highlight it or something. You could get a tattoo or whatever. Do we like tattoos in the church? No. For this last line is great. It says, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. I wonder if you've ever been at like a gig. Has anyone ever been to like a gig or a, a concert? Anyone? Yeah? few people, some of you need to get out more, but that's all right. I, uh, I really enjoy going to gigs. I really do. I, I love it. And uh, it's great uh, going to gigs uh, because I'm really tall. So it doesn't matter wherever I stand in the crowd. I'm always going to see. It's great. I usually go with Lauren or some friends or whatever, and they're usually like, where do you want to stand? I'm like, well, listen, I don't want to go too far forward because people sweat and they touch me and I don't like it. But I also don't mind if we stand a bit further back. I'm good. I'll see, you know, because I can see I'm about, I'm, I'm about six foot one, I think, the last time I measured, you know, but I have been eating a lot, so maybe I've grown a little bit more. I don't think that's how it works. But tall people love going to gigs because it doesn't matter where you stand or sit or whatever. You can always see. But you know what I always feel bad for? Short people. Short people. I, I just, I, I'm sorry if you're short, but I just, I always feel sorry for them at gigs. We were at this gig, right, with a band. It was a band called, um, what are they called again? Twin Atlantic we were going to see, right? I don't know if you know them. They're good. You should listen. There is other bands available. But we were going to see this band, and I remember standing there, and I remember thinking, this is brilliant. I'm getting a first eye view here. I can see the guy. It was amazing. The band were great. It was a great night. But honestly, the whole way through, Janet, there was this woman in front of me, about two women, right? And they were tiny, tiny, absolutely short as anything. It was a shame, really. You know that way in like Lord of the Rings and, uh, you know, in the Two Towers? I don't know if you've seen the movie. Uh, if you haven't, you really should. But you know when uh, Legolas is kind of looking over the wall, the battle's about to start, and uh, he says to Gimli, who's a wee short dwarf, it's fantasy, obviously, uh, he says, uh, would you like me to describe it to you, or will I get you a box? Uh, that's what I feel like for these people at these gigs. I'm always kind of like, do you want a little, like a backy or something? Like, you want me to like, put you up? Or maybe I could give you a wee footsie up or something like that, you know? But I always feel absolutely terrible for them. But Janet, this woman, these two women, they danced and they sang the whole time. And do you know that way? I'm just looking at them, kind of enjoying the gig, looking at them, enjoying the gig, looking at them. And I'm like, how are you having a good time? How are you enjoying it? You can't even see anything. But in this story, uh, we read about this guy, Zacchaeus. And like I was saying to you at the beginning, I absolutely love this story because I just think it's, it's amazing. It's just brilliant what God does in the story. But, so let's, let's, let's fire through here. Um, my first point, um, if it comes up, uh, it's, it's called Zacchaeus was a wee little man. That's my first point. So we read in the story that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's passing through a place called Jericho. And uh, I've got to tell you, at this point in the, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' ministry is, is expansive. It's, it's become a really big deal. He has become a really big deal uh, in the region, uh, in the country, you know, all across Palestine. Jesus is now a really, uh, he's really, he's got a formalized ministry. He's got disciples. Everyone kind of knows about him. And people have really started to develop opinions about who Jesus was. People all over heard, heard about Jesus. And uh, people were extremely intrigued. 
And there was all these rumors that had began to, to kind of come around. People had started to speculate, you know, who was this man? Who was this Jesus? Some people are saying he was a prophet. Some people are saying, you know, he's, he's a great guy. He's a good teacher, but, but nothing more. And perhaps he's just a popular rabbi that has a lot of good things to say. And these rumors mixed with a kind of underlying expectation of a Jewish Messiah coming around, anywhere Jesus went, a crowd kind of followed. Um, if you imagine just for a moment, if, if Perth's a fairly small place, Jericho was a lot bigger, obviously. Uh, but you know, if you imagine if like, who's like a, Jennifer, who's like your favorite musician, Justin Bieber? So imagine, right, Jennifer, for a moment, Justin Bieber decides, I'm going to come to Perth. You know, unannounced, but Justin Bieber is coming. You know, the story starts to get out, and, you know, Jennifer's turned up. She's there in the front row trying to see. But really what happens here is, is everyone has come out to see Jesus. These, re- these rumors, the expectation, uh, it doesn't matter who you were or what you liked or what kind of person you were, whether rich or poor, whether whatever you were about, you wanted to see this person. And we, we come across this man, Zacchaeus. And uh, just like Jesus, uh, there was speculation about Jesus and rumor about Jesus. I've got to tell you, there was a lot of rumor and speculation about this man, Zacchaeus. And uh, we very quickly learn uh, mainly two things. We learn that he was a chief tax collector in the region. Now, that's an important note to mention in the scripture. Um, and I love that the Bible does this. It doesn't uh, make mistakes about what it puts in there. Uh, when we learn that Zacchaeus is a, a, a chief tax collector, that means that he is a very important man to the Romans. You've got to remember that the Romans were the ones that were occupying Palestine and the majority of the region um, and would eventually occupy all of that side of the world. Not for very long, right enough, but they did. Um, and, and these tax collectors were one method of how they controlled and exploited the people. What they would do is they'd get people from the place, so people from that place, like in today's story, from Jericho, and they would convince them that they can make a lot of money by serving the Romans. So they'd hire them, and the point of these tax collectors is they didn't earn a salary. They weren't like paid yearly or anything like that, or hourly. But what they could do was they could exploit as much as they wanted, because they couldn't break the law because the Romans set the law. Does that make sense? So what these tax collectors would do is they would go around house by house. They'd usually sometimes sit at a table, a tax booth as well. People would have to come and they would have to pay the Romans their taxes. But what would happen in each region is each tax collector was really up to himself how, or, or herself, you know, how much. You know, this isn't a sexist job though. Anyone can really do it. But, um, you know, what would do is they would uh, be exploiting people all over the place so they could set taxes high enough or low enough, whatever way they wanted. But it tells us that Zacchaeus here was a chief tax collector, which meant he wasn't just a tax collector in one region or one part. He was the tax collector all over the place. So he was like the boss of the tax collectors or one of the bosses of the tax collectors. And that's why the Bible explains that he was extremely wealthy, that he had built an extreme amount of wealth. And therefore, people had set opinions on him. In fact, that's an understatement. People, the regular people, they hated these tax collectors. They despised them. They were the worst of the worst. And I'll be honest with you, I don't actually think it was as much about the money as it was about the betrayal. These tax collectors, they were traitors to the people. They had, a, a, they had sided with the enemy for their own gain. And like I say, the money probably wasn't a big deal, but it was the, it was the betrayal of their own people. 
that got them. So these tax collectors, Zacchaeus was, was hated, despised by all. And that's why when the crowd comes, Jesus comes and the crowd's there and Zacchaeus, the second thing it tells us is he was a very short little man. So it says he couldn't see because of the big crowd. So what does he do? He does what any logical short person would do. He decides, I think Jesus is going to go this way on the road. So I'm going to get ahead and I'm going to climb a tree so I can get a glimpse of Jesus. I wonder, uh, that was, the Bible talks about those two things as almost like Zacchaeus' two major issues. It was the tax collector, the opinions that people had on him, but it was also that he can't see he was too short. That was Zacchaeus' two problems of why he couldn't get to Jesus. The people hated him, so they wouldn't let him pass to the front. So he had to climb a tree because he was too short. He couldn't see over the crowds. But can I ask you, it's maybe a bit too early to challenge you this Sunday morning. I wonder what sort of things stop you from seeing Jesus. I wonder what sort of things stop you from seeing Jesus. Perhaps it's not a crowd or that you're too short. Perhaps it's you're too busy. Or perhaps it's, uh, it's not the right time in your life or... Perhaps you're, you've been pretending for too long and you can't turn back now. I want to tell you what's going to happen here. I'll, I'll spoil the ending of the story. Jesus goes back to Zacchaeus' house, has a real encounter with him, and Zacchaeus has changed forever. And I can tell you this, that's my story as well. I had one moment with Jesus that has entirely transformed my life. That's the story of our, our church here. That's the testimony of his people, that one moment with Jesus can change anything. And he can do the same for you. Whatever issue, whatever thing is in your way, whatever is blocking you from seeing Jesus, that barrier can come down even today, this morning. It doesn't have to stand. Why? Because Jesus is coming past. And I love that the scripture says, Jesus looked up and saw Zacchaeus. It wasn't the other way around. The small detail. But Jesus is the one that saw him. When no one else was looking at Zacchaeus, Jesus looks up and sees him. <clears throat> it's funny, a little note that, remember I said to you at the beginning, I preached this sermon, those, one of the things that came to me, you know, when I was thinking about what, what, what is new that God's maybe saying, is when Zacchaeus climbs the tree, you know, obviously he's a man and in and and, and that sort of period of time, it wasn't natural for them to run or do anything. In fact, they wore these uh, really long tunics, so it would have been a really awkward thing. But then can you imagine him climbing up a tree, you know, and the difficulty that would have to be. So he probably made himself look like a bit of a fool and, and everyone hated him already. So this is only a cause for concern. You know, they're all laughing at him, pointing at him, look, look at this numpty, what's he doing? He looks like absolutely stupid, as if Jesus is going to be able to see Jesus from there. I hope the branches fall and he, he hurts himself or something like that, you know. I hope he's gone up too high and like money falls out of his pocket, you know, it's like scatter, go get it. But what really occurred to me, it was that, well, who climbs trees? Don't say tree surgeons. Kids, right? Children climb trees. I climbed trees when I was younger, and yes, I fell out, but children climb trees. He was determined to see Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 18, just a little, uh, just a little bit later, uh, chronologically with this one, in Matthew 18, verse 3, he says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I think it's time for us to start climbing some trees. It's time for us as Christians to stop taking ourselves too seriously and get up the tree. 
If we want to see Jesus, sometimes we've got to do things that, that take us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes if we want to see Jesus in the right way, we've got to take a risk. Sometimes we've got to make ourselves look like a bit of a numpty. Can I tell you this? Write it down. Faith often defies logic. Faith oftentimes does not make sense. For Zacchaeus to climb this tree, it does not make sense, but he wanted to see Jesus. And listen, there's some things that God is going to call you to in your life, and you're going to be standing there thinking, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't go with the flow. This doesn't fit where I'm at in my life. And he's telling you, like Zacchaeus, get up the tree. Climb the tree if you want to see Jesus. Faith surpasses reason, so get up the tree. So we then read that as Jesus passes by, he stops and he looks up and, and he sees Zacchaeus up the tree. And he says, I love that he stops and he, he speaks to Zacchaeus like he knows him. And that's one thing I think is really cool in the scripture because when Jesus looks up, he, he knows his name instantly. And of course you could say, well, Jesus knew his name because everyone was pointing and laughing at him. But I like to think about it like this. Jesus knew his name in the same way that Jesus knows my name. And he knows your name. This wasn't just a chance meeting, you see. This was, this was a God-ordained moment. Jesus looks up and he knows him by name and he calls him out of the tree. He says, Zacchaeus, come quickly. I must eat at your house today. Now, I'm not going to lie. If, if this was me, if Jesus walked in now and he goes, Jack, listen, I'm coming to your house today. I'd say, Jesus, you know, that's brilliant. Go and get me half an hour because I've got to run to Lidl. You know, run to Morrison's, there's loads of shops available as well, we not only support Lidl. But you, you would want to, you kind of worry about it, but Zacchaeus straight away says he's overjoyed, he takes, I think he can't believe his luck, he takes Jesus back to his house and something amazing happens in this moment. Something amazing happens. Is that as this meeting is ongoing, as Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus, and we don't really know what he says, but as he scurries down the tree, he can't believe his luck. He can't believe what's about to happen. It says uh, the people were displeased. The people were upset that Jesus was going to go home with Zacchaeus. The people were displeased and they started to grumble. And oftentimes I wonder, do you ever like when you read scripture, you think, who am I in the story? Do you ever do that? And sometimes I like to think, I'll be honest, sometimes I like to think of myself as Jesus. Is that bad? It probably is. Mainly when I was younger. Like the hero in the story. <laughs> what about when you put, read this scripture here? Who do you see yourself as? Zacchaeus up the tree, maybe. But when I read this story, I oftentimes hear and feel in myself that I'm the crowd. Being honest with you, sometimes I think it's me as a religious person, whatever, looking at someone and saying, Pfft, why are they climbing that tree to see Jesus? What a numpty. Sometimes I think to myself, as if that's happening for that person. This should be a space and a place where we can come and we can share testimony and we can encourage each other. We can build one another up. We can say, I love what God has been doing in your life. With no hesitation or jealousy of, of it not happening in our life. That's the kind of church we want to be part of, isn't it? That we can look across the room and we can say, I know that person. I know what's been happening in their life. And I'm so pleased that God is moving in and through them. But the people, they grumble and they're displeased. And they use this phrase that I love. And I'm almost done, I promise. 
Not really, I have another few points. It says that they grumble because he was a notorious sinner. A notorious sinner. That this was the worst of the worst in their opinion. He was a thief, he was a betrayer, he was evil, he lied, he exploited, he was scandalous. But yet Jesus is at his house. So what does that say to us as Christians? I think and I believe it means that we sometimes need to take ourselves out of the four walls of this building, take ourselves out of our comfort zone and find ourselves in and amongst people that won't come through the doors. It means we need to go and meet them where they're at instead of just expecting them to come where we're at. We need to go and take our testimony and take our story. Faith is not secluded to this building or to us as people. It's our job as gospel carriers, good news people, to take it to these people that need to hear about Jesus. Instead of grumbling in our church buildings, we need to get alive, to climb the tree, to go after those that are lost. We need to find ourselves in places and spaces that Jesus would be in. See, when you read the Gospels, you're never taken aback by Jesus being at a party or Jesus being doing this or doing that. That's 25 minutes. Are you never taken aback by that? I am. And I oftentimes think to myself, where am I at? Where am I meeting people that don't believe what I believe? How am I communicating my faith? And I love that Jesus is my last thing. Jesus shows us how. He shows us how. Jesus knows his name and he goes back to his place. He builds a relationship. Do you catch that? He builds a relationship first. He starts to be friends. He starts to get to know. He starts to encourage. And something amazing happens. And this is Zacchaeus' testimony. At the end of his encounter with Jesus, he says, Lord, he says, I promise to give more than half of my wealth away. But more than that, he goes a step further and he says, I'm going to give four times as much back to anyone I've wronged. This is Zacchaeus' testimony. It totally changes his life. And that's what a testimony is. I've got to tell you, my life, I am not the same person I was when I was younger. I'm not the same man I was before I met Jesus. I am different. I look different. I look good. I look different. I speak different. The way I talk about things is different. The way I engage with my wife is different. The way I go about my life, my hopes, my dreams, my future is different. Why? Because I have sacrificed. I have given up. Just like Zacchaeus, I've turned away from my old life. I know I can't find fulfillment in that. I know it's not for me. I know it's not going to take me anywhere. And ultimately, it's going to lead me away from Jesus where I belong. So I've got to ask you right now, church, what's your testimony? Because the gospel is good news. Jesus says at the end, he says, salvation has come to this home. Zacchaeus found salvation in that moment. And it wasn't about the money. Jesus knew and seen in him how much good he would do through his financial gain. Of course, could you imagine all the money that would flood into Jericho back into those who, the hands who's needed it. People who have nothing, Zacchaeus just comes and gives them all their money back. Four times as much. Could you imagine that encounter? But listen, this is the message of the gospel, isn't it? 
The story is about Jesus. It's about the gospel. That when Jesus came and he died and he hung on that cross, it was for you, it was for me, that we might have a story to tell, that we might have a testimony, that we would no longer be stuck in our ways like Zacchaeus, that we'd no longer be stuck in our old methods that were leading us nowhere, only to death and destruction and away from God. But that salvation would come to our house. That salvation would come into your life. That as Jesus was nailed to that cross through his hands and his feet, as he was pinned up and people were laughing, it was your name. You see, instead of Zacchaeus being up the tree, Jesus was up the tree. And he came and he died and he murdered sin and shame for you and for me. This is our testimony. That we have been made alive with Christ. That we've been taken out of the dirt, out of the miry clay and set apart as God's holy anointed people for his work. Zacchaeus had a testimony. And so do we. I'm going to stop there and I'm going to invite um, Kev to come up. One of my favorite things about this series is, is we've been doing, um, we've been doing these, these testimonies and we've kind of been hearing from other people kind of getting to know different stories. Um, and Kev has agreed to share uh, this morning. So why don't we just, just so you can wake up, but give Kev, Kev a little round of applause. Thank you. <clears throat> Which one are you going? I'll go here, Jack. Right. It's not, it's not another person, it's a table. No. <laughs> there you go. I've got 50 pages of notes here. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Kev, as you know, we've been sharing... Um, sort of testimonies, stories of, uh, that kind of align with the scripture, but also stories in general of, of what God has been doing in our life. And I want to say thank you for agreeing to share this morning. I know it's no small thing uh, to prepare and be vulnerable for the people of God. So uh, well done for, for doing that. So just really quickly, um, I'm sure you all know Kev as the good-looking silver fox that he is. But um, Kev, why don't you just introduce yourself super quick, um, a little bit about yourself, about your family, how long have you been coming to church here? Okay, yeah, my name's Kevin Gordon, I'm married to Elsa, and I have two uh, daughters, Paula and Joanna, and uh, a papa to two wonderful grandkids, Eve and Joel. Lovely. And uh, so it, uh, we've been uh, coming along to Trinity for about five, six years now, uh, involved in the men's ministry, Jack, as you know, and uh, Alpha. Mm-hmm. And recently, I ran the, the marriage course. So, and uh, you mentioned my grey hair. I, I used to work silver. on. Uh, so, thank you. Yeah. I used to work on the, the multimedia desk in the church in my previous life, and that's how I ended up with grey hair. So I know <laughs> I know how you're feeling, guys. That's fine. <laughs> Matt's he's, got no. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Kev, yeah. just kind of all that we're thinking about this morning. I wanted to ask you the question. You know, how has your faith sort of impacted your life in? In recent times. Yeah, thank you, Jack. Uh, I mean, when you when you asked me, um, have I got these these slides? Are they are we caputo? Yeah, uh, right. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So so when you not just now, Callum. Thank you. Sorry, I wasn't sure if they would. Uh, sorry. Great. Yeah. Um, so so when when you asked me, Jack, uh, about how my faith has helped me, uh, so many situations through my mind as as, as I know uh, many here will, will be in the same situation. But I, I spoke to, uh, to, to, to my wife, Elsa, as I said, and uh, to Ian, and uh, really thought long and hard about sharing one chair. Sure. Um, but I, like you, I've loved these testimonies. Uh, it's, it's been great to, to hear them over the, the last weeks. 
Um, but then on Friday, this headline, uh, uh, Callum, if you can ping that up on the, on the, on the screen, I shared this with you, Jack. Um, so uh, this was uh, Marcus Mumford, uh, and uh, it's a headline that's becoming more, more common and more frequent now. Uh, and this is not easy, but I think uh, vulnerability is, is, is never easy. So what I'm going to share is quite difficult. But this guy, Marcus Mumford, uh, from Mumford & Sons, some of you might know of the rock band that, that, that he's part of. Um, his folks were actually uh, leaders of the Vineyard Church. So I'm sure many will have heard of that. But it's a, a headline that's very familiar, and that's what I want to share. Uh, thanks, Callum. Um, I, I was brought up in a, in a Christian home and gave my life to Jesus at a very early age, well, in, in my early teens, uh, and I've learned over the years that God works through a process and, and people, mm-hmm. and, uh, and God's grace, you've mentioned that, uh, Jack, and, and we, Ian mentioned it in his prayer earlier, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, his grace is enough, yeah. and uh, his grace for Zacchaeus was, was enough. Yeah. Um, so a significant event for me as a child of, of 10, um, which lasted uh, two years, uh, was kind of swept under the carpet uh, in, in my family. It was difficult in those days to, to deal with these kind of things hmm. in public. So I locked it away in the back of my mind and um, never shared in public before. Uh, but 20 years on, <coughs> uh, married with a young family uh, with no counseling after what had happened uh, or any real help, a job to do and a life to get on with True. and things to happen, things to do. Um, I received a phone call totally out of the blue one day from the police, uh, absolutely <laughs> about my abuser uh, who had been accused by another guy, uh, and now an adult like me at that time. So all these mixed and toxic emotions and feelings and memories came out that I'd locked away for years were suddenly and abruptly brought out from under the carpet and into the open. And I was faced with the dilemma that um, you know, uh, what, what do I do? What do I do here? And then on a, on a more recent occasion, last September, uh, the police phoned again. So uh, I, uh, c- could I play a part in the judgment of this, of this Christian man who was an uncle of mine? Uh, and he was uh, involved in church. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, was it right for me as a Christian... <coughs> Uh, you know, f- for me to, to deal with this, mm-hmm. for me to, to judge this mm-hmm. guy. Uh, and I knew that my faith in Jesus, as you said, Jack, so beautifully in your, in your teaching, that our faith should change our behavior, mm-hmm. you know, and it did with uh, Zacchaeus. So, it, but it wasn't for me to judge. I was thinking about all these things. It's for God to judge. Uh, but by the grace of God, uh, through, through, through my, my faith in Jesus, I was able to confront and, and deal with this face to face. And it was by the grace of God that I was able to do that mm. um, uh, about these things. Instead of, of family gatherings, brushing things under the carpet and, and kind of putting on a, a front um, about these things. So I realized I had to forgive him in order to heal. Uh, and that no sin, like, like Zacchaeus and, and, and the story you just, you've taught from, no sin is big enough for God's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've spoken well on, on that this morning. So, it's, and it's a big theme of the story uh, as I was looking back, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, this week when you asked me. 
So, uh, just in closing, I think accountability is, is key, as, as you know, our ministry is based on that. Accountability in a Christian life is really important to be honest and authentic. I know Ian speaks about that a lot. Authenticity is, is, is really key. And ultimately, uh, we must give account for, our, uh, for ourselves one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I came across this prayer. It was part of that article that, that arrived in my inbox. Uh, uh, Callum, if you're able to, is it all right if I just close, close with this, Jack? Yes, um, but, uh, and, and there's a lot, of, a lot of detail, obviously, I didn't go into in a lot of kind of sense. Um, but my uncle uh, was never brought to account um, through the legal system. Uh, and I played a part in that, obviously. Um, but he's he's since passed away. <laughs> so, so this this prayer, so he, this prayer uh, kind of encapsulates my emotions about the situation, and uh, and I hope it helps others as well. So let's pray. Yeah, let's pray. <laughs> so I didn't. Uh... So uh, the words are up on the screen. If you want to, if you'd rather read the words, then that's fine. But uh, I'm just going to to close with this. So, God of endless love, ever caring, ever strong. always present, always just. You gave your only son to save us by the blood of his cross. Gentle Jesus, shepherd of peace, join to your suffering the pain of all who have been hurt. in body, mind, spirit by those who betrayed the trust placed in them. Uh, Holy Spirit, comforter of hearts, heal your people's wounds and transform brokenness into wholeness. Grant us the courage and wisdom Humility and grace to act with justice. Breathe wisdom into our prayers and labors. Grant that all harmed by abuse may find peace and justice. We ask this through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. No, you certainly don't have to apologize. And I just want, just before you go, you know, the, the Bible talks about giving honor where honor is due. And I want to encourage you and build you up um, and give you honor because I think that's such an incredibly brave thing to do and to share um, with your, what is your church family. And uh, we want to encourage you. We love you. And we're so thankful for you. And uh, I want to encourage you as well that uh, I really believe this is a word from the Lord. And I'm sure you've maybe heard something like this before, but I believe that through you, God has changed the, traje- the trajectory of that whole thing, mm. 
of what has been evil and what has been bad and what should oftentimes the church has avoided and brushed under the carpet, we will not do that anymore. We will expose the lies and the, the deceit of the devil and we will call it to justice through the name of Jesus. And you're a huge part of that story of turning total mess into an absolute message. And uh, just want to encourage you, Kev. We love you and we're so thankful for you. Thank you. Thank um, you let's give Kev one more round yeah. of applause. Yeah. <clears throat>